Welcome to the Unblocked Crypto Podcast. This podcast is not financial advice. It's meant for entertainment purposes only. These are just the opinions of a couple of Bramble and Rex. Alrighty, welcome back to episode 15 of Unblocking Crypto. Uh, I think we're going to switch things up a little bit this week and talk a little bit on where we see Bitcoin today and where it's going to be going in the future. So I know how I'm going to ask you this week to kind of focus on that and I'll take uh, maybe Ethereum next week. So before we jump into that, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the uh, positive things that I've heard about and then I'll hand it over to you and um, you can kind of follow up from there. So uh, two things that I saw that were really interesting. One is that Mexico just announced that they are planning on releasing a CBDC uh, digital currency for the peso in about three years. Um, so that's really interesting. And then um, the second thing was Morgan Stanley was mentioning that Bitcoin is very close to becoming a true currency in the U.S. And it's mainly because of the strike in the um, BlackRock, Black, the, the gift card guys um, announced the habit of Bitcoin 22. Right between NCR and uh, what was the other? It, it's it starts with Black uh, Black Hawk. I can't remember. It's like it's one of those yeah. companies Black, that like Black, touches Black everything, Hawk, that's but you is. don't know it. Black Hawk, yeah, Shopify, yeah, Black Hawk, exactly. NCR. Yeah, so because of Strike and Black Hawk, uh, that now is enabling Bitcoin to get into physical locations, which accounts for about eighty-five percent of. Um, the U.S. customers and their transactions. So um, that's exciting to see that Bitcoin could be used in the U.S. a lot more easily now. So, yeah, yeah so those are my two things. That sort of, yeah, and that's that kind of thing uh, where it's like, yeah, okay, NCR, Blackhawk, a company that I've never heard of, and Shopify, which is a company yeah, I think, I've heard, I know Shopify because I jumped in on when it what came out as a stock as an IPO, but um, they're like infrastructure companies that are like commerce infrastructure that you don't think about. It's like nobody thinks about the water treatment plant, but everybody uses water and everybody turns on their faucet, everybody takes a shower, like everybody swipes their credit card, but you don't think about what company made the credit card swiping machine and what company software drives that's that machine and what companies interact between that machine and the bank and like nobody cares about that right it's just you just turn on the faucet and water comes out you just swipe your card and money exchanges and you walk out with your with your goods um so that's it's like boring but important um and so that's kind of similar to what i'm going to talk about um so you know we talked pretty much every week or i've talked pretty much every week about el salvador adopting bitcoin as currency or legal tender and it looks like uh, a small, poor African country, the Central African Republic, uh, has passed legislation to uh, regulate cryptocurrency and calls out Bitcoin specifically. They have um, super low GDP growth. You know, they're like $400 per capita uh, GDP growth. So we're talking very insignificant from a global monetary scale. Um, 5 million people, so not a lot of people either. Uh, so not a huge difference for people coming on board, um, especially 
you know, getting information about this country is kind of slim. Like they're uh, formerly a French colony. They are, they, they're one of their primary exports is diamonds. And they estimate that like 30 to 50% of all the diamonds that are exported out of the country are exported uh, like in a clandestine way. So they're not actually exports. They're just kind of stolen and walk out of the country. I mean, it's like, it's a mess, right? Like the country sounds like a mess. Um, and to me, that's like, great. What, what better sandbox for Bitcoin to play in than a country that has almost nothing to lose? Um, they've got um, really nothing going for them outside of a few different exports, gold, timber, things like that. And uh, they've got a super corrupt government. They only have like 20% of their population is, uh, are internet users. So it's going to be pretty much, uh, if, if things don't work out well, uh, they're currently not working out well either. So I, I, don't think it's a, I don't think it's a bad thing. And then I think one thing to keep in mind too, as these like small countries kind of roll into Bitcoin, it's like, there are, okay, for every El Salvador, there's multiple countries that compare themselves to El Salvador. And for every Central African Republic, there's multiple countries that compare themselves to the Central African Republic. So those two countries, to me, don't compare themselves to each other. So there's five or 10 countries that are watching El Salvador closely to see how Bitcoin affects their economy. And you've got the same for this Central African Republic. So it's similar to how MicroStrategy has put a bunch of companies on notice to look at, should we be putting Bitcoin on our balance sheet? These countries are starting to put other countries on notice. They're like, how, how should we, how should we think about Bitcoin and think about incorporating it into our economy? That's exciting. That'll help uh, my over under get to the over for this year. <laughs> yeah. I was going to, I was going to say, what was the number on that? Three and a half, I feel like, is what we said, right? Three and a half. Three and a half. All right. That's going to be tight. Because I, like, I, I mean, I wouldn't, cons I, this one wasn't on the radar, right? But um, yeah, I mean, if, if it, it, I've read two articles, um, there's not a whole lot of news. It's kind of, kind of clumsy news coming out. But um, I think that yesterday was the first day that it kind of hit the, hit the news stream anyway. It was on a Forbes spinoff um website so pretty reputable and then another website backed it up with some other information that wasn't just copy and pasted from the forbes article <clears throat> so i'd say you know reliable enough to talk about on a podcast um okay so then this kind of jumps into what we're going to talk about for today which is is kind of a, a deep dive into bitcoin what uh, kind of where we think it is today and then where we think it's going like long term I, I, and i picked 2030 um you know and I, that's probably the the most fun part about bitcoin it's like buying a lottery ticket like the most fun about buying a lottery ticket isn't finding out if you win or lose it's like the 10 hours that you have from the time you buy it to the time that you lose it's like all you get to you get you paid two dollars and you get to think about all the stuff that could happen if you win right like that's the fun part of buying a lottery ticket um the thing about bitcoin is you know, we're far enough down the path that it's not a, it's not a long shot lottery ticket, right? It's, it's a, it's a technology that's being adopted and 
the the longer it lasts and the higher the price gets, the less risk Bitcoin has. So it's 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 actually oddly easier to buy the more expensive it gets. Um, and then at a time like now where it's pulled back, you know, we're currently in the high 30s, low 40s. We've seen it in the 60s. So to me, it's the easiest time to buy Bitcoin is right now. You know people will pay over $60,000 of Bitcoin for it. They've done it before. You know that it's likely not going to zero because you've seen a White House executive order come out um, that's phrased fairly positively towards Bitcoin. You had the SEC, you know, Gary Gensler's talked about Bitcoin. All the things that had were not happening in 2017 when the price was, you know, low single digit thousands of dollars, one, two, three thousand dollars of Bitcoin ramping up to twenty thousand dollars. We had none of this stuff like all the government crushing Bitcoin was on the table in any way you could imagine it would it would get crushed. And now it's like, okay, we're 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 seeing some countries um, kind of push back against mining due to environmental concerns. Um, I think, I mean, that's a podcast unto itself as far as how the power industry can benefit from, from Bitcoin mining. But, um, I think there's enough people pro Bitcoin people, legislators and just in the population and wealthy Bitcoin holders now that can influence, uh, legislation and kind of how people are thinking. I mean, somebody with some money got to Janet Yellen, right? Like, whether it was direct or whether it was through people. Um, so all of these things de-risk Bitcoin. And so kind of that's how I feel like we are right now. Like we got some price appreciation and we're just chewing through risk. Like we're just reducing risk. Um, and it's super annoying because everybody wants the price to shoot up. But really all we're doing is like grinding through some months and just getting good news. You get the lightning network going through you know being able to buy physical goods from walmart with bitcoin um these are things that just didn't these things seemed like good ideas five years ago but they seemed forever away and now it's like oh okay well there's a contract in place and they're actually going to do this el salvador actually did it um so that's kind of where i see bitcoin now as we're kind of in this um this adolescent phase where it's like, okay, yeah, this thing can kind of stand up on its own legs. Uh, it does what it says it can do. Some of the stuff that these Bitcoin guys said it would, could do five years ago that seemed crazy. They're actually happening. Um, and the more they happen, the more confidence people will have like, man, maybe these guys are right. Um, is that, that kind of in line with how you see Bitcoin or uh, I miss anything that you, you'd like to touch on? No, I, I think you're spot on. I mean, you have even like, the state of Tennessee is looking at uh, accepting proposals on companies to accept unclaimed crypto, right? So this is becoming a lot more real uh, in, in all locations around the world. So to your point, I mean, this, this is probably one of the least risky times to get involved in, in crypto and especially with, with Bitcoin specifically, I mean, even uh, with smart contracts somewhat coming on to Bitcoin, right? I mean, there's a lot of growth potential happening and a lot of money already invested in it. So it is going to be super hard for it to fail. 
and I guess theoretically could, right? It's just uh, the probability of it happening is, is really low right now. Yeah. And so, yeah, you said like the magic word, like the probability of failure, right? Because to me, I think that's the only thing that should prevent anybody from uh, putting a substantial amount of, uh, of their net worth into Bitcoin, like substantial being greater than a couple percent. I think to me, you know, obviously you're not financial advice and all that, but like 0% seems too low. Like that seems like the easy piece to this. And then maybe that is financial advice, right? Like if you think anything is going to do well, you should put some kind of money in it, right? If you, if you, I mean, when I started streaming Netflix, I was like, oh, this is good. I like this. Everybody was streaming Netflix. Everybody had Netflix accounts. I didn't buy Netflix stock. Like that's dumb, right? Like, man, it was really nice to have movies just stream into my house. I, of course that company's going to do well. Why didn't I buy stock in it? And so, um, you know, when I think a lot of people just buy stuff, they really like it. All their friends are buying it and they never think about like, oh, I should invest in this. And so Bitcoin is kind of like at that phase where it's like, you don't invest in Bitcoin so much as you buy it, like you save Bitcoin. And so it's kind of a weirder thing than, than a stock like, uh, like Apple. I mean, everybody's got an iPhone and people don't buy Apple stock. It's like, well, that was probably, probably something you should have done 10 years ago. Um, everybody has Amazon Prime and, you know, you don't hear a lot of people talking about Amazon stock purchases. Um, but you do hear a lot of people talking about Bitcoin, especially if you start to research a little bit, you realize how many people are actually into it. And it's, it's quite a lot. Um, and so, you know, we talked in the past about use cases and why Bitcoin's valuable. Um, you know, I think that the debasing of global currencies is probably the most intriguing reason that Bitcoin is going to appreciate. Um, you know, as, as weak currencies fail, the wealthy people in those currencies will go somewhere, right? They're not just going to ride uh, a collapsing currency to zero. And so I think historically that's gold. Um, you know, equities can, can handle it. Um, but my, I guess the bet is some of that money is going to find its way into Bitcoin as this, as the, these global economies start to get hurt. Um, you know, there is a potential that we're headed towards like a really bad global economy due to the supply chain stuff, the, um, the money printing stuff, and just kind of the culmination of all of these issues with oil and war and i mean it's just a crazy time to be paying attention to to like macro economic events so you kind of are, need to look for like the the least bad place to put your value um and so to me you're you know we're talking about bitcoin so we're just going to focus on bitcoin um so that's to say short term I'm really bad at predicting the Bitcoin price. Like historically over the five years that I've been involved, it rarely goes up when I think it's going to go up or down when I think it's going to go down. It's like the opposite of what I think is going to happen, typically happens. So I'm not going to talk about short-term Bitcoin price action because it's, uh, I think it's kind of a fool's errand. Um, so, and there's a Bitcoin theory about like, like if the price is going against you, like zoom out, like if, if the price is dropping in Bitcoin, like just, just zoom out on the chart and 
you know, look at it from 2012 to now. And when you zoom out, it's like, okay, yeah, this is on a pretty good trend. It has these spikes and valleys, but for the most part, we're going up and to the right on a log chart. Um, and so that's kind of what I'm trying to do here is, is like, is just zoom out and look forward. And I, I picked the year 2030. Uh, so that's eight years from now. And it's kind of like, all right, what, what do I really think Bitcoin's price is going to do? Um, and so this is how I kind of approach it. There's a bunch of different angles. Um, the things that are important to Bitcoin long term are adoption, scarcity, uh, maturity as an asset class. And um, and so I kind of broke those down and started looking at, at those three topics to try to figure out kind of how I felt about Bitcoin um, over an eight year period. So uh, this guy that works for Fidelity's crypto group, uh, Jurian Timmer, uh, he overlaid the mobile phone adoption curve to the Bitcoin user curve and associated that with the Bitcoin price. So that's a bit of a stretch, right? I mean, you're, you're talking about Bitcoin users, which is a slippery number to guess because you've got so many users that are only on exchanges that don't have wallets. So you can't actually track them as users. Um, and then also all users aren't the same. You know, some users will buy a million dollars worth of Bitcoin. Some users will buy $5 worth of Bitcoin. Whereas on the mobile adoption curve, each user has a mobile phone. It, you know, it's either zero or one. So that, so there's, there, you know, it's not perfect, but it does kind of give you a, it gives you a curve to look at and it kind of gives you, a, a, you know, looking back the, over the last 12 years, the adoption curves line up fairly well between Bitcoin users coming online and mobile phone users coming online. <clears throat> and so for me, this is kind of partially useful and that's good enough, right? Cause we're talking about predicting the future. Um, and so at 2030 on the curve, you know, you're looking at something like 150 million, um, wallet addresses and that kind of is associated with about a four hundred thousand dollar bitcoin price and so this is a that's a nom uh, that's a nominal price that, so that's in 2022 dollars right so that's if you just project today's price and today's user count um using today's dollars so i for all of these um, for all of these price forecasts, I use four and a half percent as my annual inflation rate. Um, generous. I feel like uh, I don't know if that's generous or conservative. Um, I think inflation right now is super high and maybe we hit some deflationary stuff or we go into a stagflation. I don't know, but I use four and a half percent because it's, it's definitely more than three or two, like your financial advisor would use. But it's not fifteen percent, like um, like maybe it, maybe some people would project it to be. Uh, but also, four and a half percent over eight years is right about uh, double, uh, or or cutting the value of your money in half. So that's why that's one of the reasons I used it. It's it's a reasonable number. I started with five, and it was kind of a it was it was close to being double, but it wasn't. So so anyway, if if 
this projects out to four hundred thousand dollars in twenty twenty two dollars in twenty thirty dollars it would be about eight hundred thousand so that's eight hundred thousand dollars of bitcoin but it's going to buy you about four hundred thousand dollars worth of goods or services in you know as we know them in twenty twenty two so that's so that's like uh that's one that's one data point right um the next piece was scarcity and so there's a stock to flow model for bitcoin and super briefly stock to flow is the ratio of the amount of inventory of a scarce good versus the amount of flow that's coming into that inventory and the most common way to think about this is gold because the way gold works it's not a it's not a commodity that uh, it's like it's not a use it or lose it commodity you mine it it comes to the surface you turn it into jewelry you turn it into uh, bars or coins and it pretty much stays in stock from that point forward unless it's at the bottom of the ocean and arguably like in computers and electronics and things like that but for the most part once gold enters the the stock it doesn't leave and so and as you mine it you know we're we're constantly mining gold so that flow of newly mined gold enters the stock um and so this guy he's a quantitative uh, analytics guy he put together and correlated bitcoin and its stock to flow based on the bitcoin mining rewards and how it changes every four years or so uh, to reduce the amount of flow into the stock. The, the thing about Bitcoin is you know exactly the stock and you know exactly the flow into that stock because it's all programmed. Um, so by correlating the gold stock to flow to the Bitcoin stock to flow and extrapolating it forward, he created uh, a model. And... You know, it's 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 a model and it's got like say a standard deviation curve so that you can kind of see, you know, it's it's not going to predict the, the Bitcoin price to the day to the dollar. Um, but there's a few things that I, I don't like about it. Um, you know, one, it's uh, it uses gold. Everyone pretty much values gold. As it stands right now, whereas with Bitcoin, not everyone values Bitcoin, so you're not chasing all of the dollars like gold is, you know, everybody that's making investment decisions makes a decision to either buy gold or not buy real estate or not buy stocks or bonds, but not everybody's including Bitcoin in that decision. And so there's a little bit of uh, adoption that needs to occur in order for the stock to flow model to, to really come into play. And that's really my opinion. Um, and so using that stock to flow curve and not really messing with it, um, the, the average price of Bitcoin between 2024 and 2028 would be $1 million. The average price of Bitcoin between 2028 and 2032, when that flow cuts in half again, uh, is $58 million of Bitcoin. Um, this is where I think the, as the model goes out further and further and the flow keeps dropping, you are just you're you're basically cutting your your denominator so low that it's blowing up your price of bitcoin um and so i think that the model starts to fall apart as it goes out further but 
I'm just going to say from a scarcity standpoint, you know, we're going to be greater than a million. I'm not going to say 10 million by 2030 because that seems, that seems like an insane growth that's not sustainable. So I'm going to say from a scarcity standpoint, it's going to be like $2 million. That's uh, that's just a guess, right? But that's uh, 10 million by 2030 seems wild. And, um, that that two million is just a hair above where that stock to flow model predicts it at the end of the next halving cycle so um it's not unreasonable to put it there and it's my thing so i get to, i get to put the number on it <laughs> and so the next piece um is maturity you know as, as bitcoin matures it's being adopted as uh as an asset class for institutional investors so as the price continues to go up and the market cap continues to go up, it opens doors to more money. Um, like right now, uh, in, the, in the early days, it was just like really tech savvy people, really like crypto punk type guys that were into trying to figure this out. People that could figure out how to mine Bitcoin without mining pools and, and get their laptops to run it. Um, you know, but Bitcoin's worthless, right? Because nobody's into it. Uh, so it's, it doesn't matter. And then as it grows a little bit more, you know, libertarians kind of jump into it and, uh, you know, some speculative stuff starts to happen. And so, you know, more people are putting money into it. And then, you know, between that 2013 to 2000 and say 19, uh, you see some high net worth individuals jump in and some hedge fund guys put in little allocations. Um, but, you know, it's pretty much still individuals. And then you get, once it gets to a certain size and the market uh, environment is not friendly to the U.S. dollars, that's when you get MicroStrategy jumping in in a big way, Tesla buying in a big way. Um, so once you, once, once you have that and you're, you're, close to that $1 trillion market cap. Now you can be taken seriously by court, like privately held institutions and some publicly held institutions with a, what I would say is like a powerful CEO, um, like Elon Musk or Michael Saylor. Um, and so those are, you know, these are the doors that have already opened. But as you open more doors, the doors get bigger and the wall of money behind that door is bigger. And so as you go up your your risk is reduced right because you're you're forcing the market and governments to to address it and so you're it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy you have more adoption it increases the price it increases the market cap it's viewed as a reasonable asset class and that opens the door to institutional money um and so that's where to me you know, you start to unlock real dollars. Um, globally, I, I don't, I, I'm trying to pull numbers of what, the, what this means. You know, to me, you've got $12 trillion worth of gold. Uh, I've got about a hundred trillion dollars worth of bonds, $40 trillion worth of equities, $325 trillion worth of real estate. And so, over time, and it's, uh, I assume that it's between now and 2030, 
all of these asset classes are unlocked to reallocate funds to Bitcoin because it's going to grow. It's going to go up. You're going to get some adoption in a small way from, from these asset classes and you're, or you're going to get some new dollars that go to Bitcoin instead of these asset classes. So Bitcoin is going to eat some of this. And so again, this is me kind of putting numbers on things. Um, and I went. I, I think these are going to be fairly low in some cases, right? So I think I think Bitcoin can eat about two and a half percent of the equities market, two percent of the bond market. Um, I think when bonds realize that you can get yield off of Bitcoin, I think that's going to open things up. And then when I think when I, when people understand that you can create bonds with Bitcoin, like Bitcoin backed bonds, that these fixed income bond holders can invest in. Um, I think that opens some doors. So sitting where we are, where it's 0% to get to 2% in eight years, that seems reasonable, right? If the first one pops out in a year or two, then maybe that number is bigger. But if it takes a while for people to catch on, then maybe it's, maybe it's one or 2% by 2030. That's how I came up with that. Gold, um, I think Bitcoin can eat 25% of the market cap of gold. Gold's compared to Bitcoin. I don't think gold's very valuable from a store of value standpoint. Um, about half of the half of the value of gold is monetary premium. The other half is because people like it for jewelry and electronics and things. Um, I think you could eat half of that monetary premium of gold easily once people understand that I can cut a Bitcoin into a hundred million pieces and I can send it anywhere I want globally for free. And in, in seconds, right? I, I don't think gold, I don't think gold stands much of a chance once people really understand it and use it. So that's why I'm saying 25% of the gold market cap goes into Bitcoin. And then real estate, it's tough to figure out what monetary premiums on real estate. You know, commercial real estate is definitely an investment. You know, a lot of people need a place to live. Um, so that one's kind of a tricky, tricky one to, for me to, to judge. I just threw 1% at it. I feel like, I feel like I've sold rental properties and bought Bitcoin and it's 2022. So other people either have done it or will do it. Um, assuming Bitcoin continues to grow and, and doesn't die. So that's two and a half percent of equities, 2% of bonds, 25% of gold and 1% of real estate. And in 2022 dollars, that's $490,000 uh, a Bitcoin. So with inflation, that puts it at just short of a million dollars of Bitcoin and 20, 30 dollars uh, using that four and a half percent inflation number. So that's um, that's a couple different angles. The, the last angle that I have is I, I was like, all right, let's look at Amazon. When, uh, like Bitcoin is a thing, right? Bitcoin works. People use it. But maybe we haven't we, we, we nobody think nobody in Bitcoin thinks we've hit the rocket fuel piece where the price really takes off. And so I was like, all right, you know, what, what can people listen to me say that makes sense to them? And I'm like, all right, well, Amazon was a company that sold stuff on the internet for a long time. And then Amazon started Amazon web services. And that was their rocket fuel to actually generate tons of revenue. And, and they became an infrastructure piece. Nobody even knows that it exists, but it works. 
And that's what really drove the value of Amazon stock. And so I was like, all right, let's take a look at what Amazon did. You know, in, uh, in August of 2006, they launched Amazon Web Services and the stock price was $29.16. And then, so I just figured adoption's fairly similar. Um, you know, this is recent enough. You know, it's, it's, a, it's similar enough. So eight years from that will be August 24 or August 2014. So the same kind of time frame from now to 2030 and the stock price goes to $334. So that's about 35% compounded annual growth. Um, so that's something that people can understand. Amazon stock price went from $29 to $334 in eight years. And that's 35% annual compound, compound annual growth rate. So if you do that to Bitcoin now, that puts you at 440,000 um, in 2030. And if you think that Bitcoin's going to outperform Amazon stock because Amazon went after, uh, you know, goods and or providing goods and providing, you know, internet uh, infrastructure services. Bitcoin's going after money and investments. So maybe that's bigger and better. And maybe it's a little faster because things are moving faster from 2022 to 2030 than they did from 20, I mean, 2006 to 2014. In 2006, I think I had a BlackBerry uh, or maybe like a Motorola flip phone, right? So that's, things were moving a little slower. Um, and so maybe instead of 35%, it's 50%. And if it's 50%, then you're at a million uh, like $1.03 million in 2030. Um, and so, you know, these numbers kind of keep popping up around half a million and then, you know, one to 2 million. So I kind of broke it down to three different groups. Bitcoin fails if it's $80,000 or less in 2030, because that's basically exactly where it is today, but you just were propped up by four and a half percent inflation. So I feel like it's, it never went any further than it did today if it stays at 80,000 or if it, if it reaches 80,000 by 2030. If you're in bonds right now, you'd love to double your money by 2030, right? So it's still better than bonds. Um, so my low end, I said four to 600,000 of Bitcoin in $2030. Um, I think uh, kind of triangulating that number from the adoption, the scarcity, the maturity, and then the uh, kind of the comparison to Amazon's uh, average return. That gives me that something close to half a million dollar of Bitcoin. So that's a 10x from here in eight years. You know, that's good. Um, I think that anybody that's like an old school Bitcoin person would be like, man, that's the bear most bearish prediction. Like, why are you why are you so why are you so negative on Bitcoin? Um, and so then on the high side and, you know, this is, this is, uh, the high side assuming, you know, people aren't using Bitcoin as money everywhere, right? This is Bitcoin is an asset that people are using to invest in other than, uh, equities, bonds, gold, real estate, right? This isn't everybody ditched their currency that failed in the great currency failure of 2027, you know, after World War III, right? Like this is, this is, this isn't predicting all that 
kind of stuff. Um, you know, I'm in that one to two million dollar range in 2030. Um, you know, the interesting thing about Bitcoin is because Bitcoin miners aren't selling their Bitcoin, the Bitcoin available for purchase is declining. Uh, and so the scarcity piece is going to I used to think that it would be less volatile as the price increased. But I don't know if that's going to be true because there's just not a lot of Bitcoin for sale. And the more that people buy it, and especially more people like if you're exchanging bonds for Bitcoin, your intention would be to hold it for multiple years. So every time somebody switches from bond or real estate even to Bitcoin, uh, that Bitcoin's not going to be for sale. That's not traded Bitcoin anymore. And so you could see these overruns like we've seen, like we saw in 2017 and like we almost saw, you know, in 2020 uh, or 2021 where it, like, it just ramps up and shoots off to a blow-off top and then dies back down. You know, I don't know if we're going to see exactly kind of the drastic measures we saw in 2017, but, you know, these overruns and then drawbacks, I think, will continue happening. So you could see, you know, two and a half, three million million, $3 Bitcoin and then drift back to that $1.5, 2000000 dollars which is pretty wild kind of to talk about. Uh, but, it, you know, it really is like Bitcoin didn't go anywhere if it's only worth a hundred thousand dollars of Bitcoin. Um, so that's kind of how I got to my Bitcoin forecast. Um, the weird thing is like, I feel like that's fairly conservative. <laughs> it's uh, you know, that I'm a pretty conservative investor and I don't expect things to go nuts and I'm not like, a, like, Oh man, I'm going to get rich tomorrow. But like, you know, eight years is eight years is a pretty long time, and you know, thirty to fifty percent growth rate for a, something like Bitcoin that is going to replace a lot of um, a lot of crappy places where people put their money. I mean, why would any savings account exist if you know if you're going to save money for two years? Why would you put it? In, why would you put dollars in a bank that pays you nothing when you can put it into Bitcoin and over two years you're more than likely going to go up? So you know, Bitcoin replaces a lot. And I think so, you know, that 30 for 30, 35 to 50% return seems real reasonable to me. So that's my, uh, that's my Bitcoin forecast. Yeah, that's super interesting. And I hope that you're um, way undercutting it, of course, right? But uh, I think that's that's a pretty good number to, to, to plan for. I mean, you're talking about 10 to 40x at least, typically, right? Yeah, something like that, which, I mean, it's when you build it up and you run the numbers, it makes more sense. When you just say Bitcoin's going to go to a million dollars, it sounds crazy. Um, but, I mean, in 2030, if movie theaters still exist, you know, it's going to be $25 a ticket. You know, so it's, you know, maybe a million dollar of Bitcoin isn't quite that drastic if if, if ground beef is $12 a pound. Um but that, that's, I don't know, that kind of stuff's hard to really kind of get your head around. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, if they continue to print money to solve every problem, you know, we're not going to run out of problems and they're not going to run out of the ability to print money. So that I don't see, I don't see a situation where Bitcoin can't keep up with the U.S. dollars um, unless, unless there's some poison pill that 
comes across and and kind of wipes it out. So, like I said, anything around eighty to a hundred thousand, I think, is just like a Bitcoin. Something went wrong, then Bitcoin failed. Um, half a million or in that range, and it's like low success. You know, one to one to two million, I think, is kind of like success on an eight-year time scale. So that's kind of where I'm at. Well, and that kind of aligns to what a lot of the big thinkers out there are saying as well, right? I mean, it, it used to be a 500K by that 20, 30 timeframe, and now everybody's kind of readjusting to closer to a million dollars. So um, it doesn't sound like you're too far off or most people are kind of coming to that general realization that's going to be in that 500K to one and a half million-ish range with potential to definitely go higher. Whether that's a blow off top or not is still to be determined. It depends on the adoption curve on all these countries, right? So we're saying three and a half this year. Pretty soon it could be like over under is 30 <laughs> in a year. Well, it, like the more I kind of am involved with Bitcoin, the more like the um, the slowly then suddenly slippery slope things keeps showing up. Um, it is like, okay, one country jumps in and then another one, but there's, I feel like there are more countries close now than there were this time last year. You know, this is a year after El Salvador did it. Uh, a month after El Salvador did it, I didn't feel like anybody was close. And so another year from now, we're going to be in year two of countries accepting it. And, you know, yeah, you're, maybe we have four to 10. Like once you get to 10, you know, there's, you're covering a lot of countries that uh, compare themselves to other countries. You know, if you have 10, you know, you're talking about, there's gotta be 50 countries looking at like, Oh man, it's working out for, for these countries. And they're like us in a lot of ways. If, if, you you if you're the leader of a country you can't let other countries pass you if if they're if they're behind you economically and they pass you you're doing a terrible job like uh wealthy people hate when less wealthy people become more wealthy than them and countries are the same i mean think about like the united states as long as i've been alive has always been on top think about how ticked off americans would be if if the second best country became the first best country and we became second it would be whoever was president at the time would definitely not win election regardless of kind of what what you know what 80 year cycle or or whatever business cycle brought that decline you know or their ascension in in the united states decline into play like you're toast man so you you know these countries can't let other countries either they definitely can't let uh, less successful countries pass them you know if a country that's already ahead of them starts to break away you know, that's one thing, but it's, it's going to be real interesting when numbers come out and El Salvador's leapfrogging other countries that the really the primary difference is they adopted Bitcoin. So I think I think, you know, it's it's uh, it's game theory or it's peer pressure or whatever, man. But um, it all starts gradually. And then suddenly you're like, turn around and then you're going to have 25 countries that have adopted Bitcoin. You know, it's, it's exciting to hear, and I mean, I know it's um, still eight years away, but it's also only eight years away, right? So time is flying by extremely quickly, but also it seems like it's not moving at all lately with all the chop in the crypto space. <laughs> right. So. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, this was kind of a fun exercise for me because I've never really done it. 
Um, and I've always just been like, yeah, it's going up. And like, I don't really, I don't know how up and I don't know. I have no real, I had no real interest in putting any kind of time scale on it because the more you get into Bitcoin, the more you're like, well, whatever, I got plenty of time. Like it's a, you have a low time preference and you're just, you just keep waiting and keep buying more Bitcoin and it just is going to keep going up. So it doesn't matter if it goes down, you buy more and it goes up, you're happy and it goes down and you buy more again. It's, it's, it's kind of a, you know, you don't have to look at price and earnings and you don't have to look, you know, figure out how to buy stocks and you don't have to trade anything. You just buy it. It's, it's uh it's pretty simple. At this point, it's when you find free money or find extra money, you just put it in Bitcoin and wake up again in eight years and see what happened. Mm -hmm. I'll see if I'm right. Yeah. Well, awesome. How this has been awesome. Thank you for doing this. I am uh, looking forward to seeing uh, what you think of my Ethereum predictions next week. So <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to it for sure. Yeah. Well, have a great week and we'll talk to you soon. Great. Thanks. Thanks for journeying down the crypto rabbit hole with us. If you're interested in learning more about crypto, please join our private Facebook group, Unblocking Crypto. It's a small community discussing new ideas and just asking questions to learn more. Hope to interact with you there.